This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NFL Friday as we reach the end of the season. David Spampanato, Matt Constantini, John DeBarro, Jack Roche, we have a loaded studio today, four hosts, um, so we'll just go right into it, um, talking about the playoff matchups this week, starting with the NFC and the Rams and Saints, a three and a three oh five start, Saints are three and a half point favorites, last time they faced off the Saints won 45-35 anticipating a shootout, and Vegas is as well, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you look at Los Angeles' defense, they're kind of hit and miss. They have those big names, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and then obviously Aaron Donald, possibly the best defensive player in the league. It's weird that their defense isn't better, but they got they really got to show up this weekend. Yeah, this matchup in particular, I think we learned from last week's Saints game against the Eagles that even though we've seen this matchup early in the season, maybe not to expect the same thing we did a couple months ago. I still expect it to be high scoring, but maybe not quite the shootout we saw just a couple months ago. But still, I think it should be a close game. Yeah, John, it's a good point. And and I think something that was brought up, Jack, was that maybe the Saints got too hot too early going into the looking back in the regular season. Do you feel that that's any kind of concern going into this week against the Rams? I think you just have to look at the guys on defense. I mean, Marcus Peters, weeks 10 through 17, has had a uh, opposing quarterback rating of 45.1. And while Todd Gurley got off to that hot start, I think the defense has carried the way. How about you, Matt? Do you feel that for the Saints that they got too hot? I don't I don't really know. Um, you know, you, you come out and you look at them. They put up that 50-point game against the Eagles. They had the 45 against the Rams. And I don't know if it's a matter of them coming out too hot. I mean, I mean, that model's not sustainable. No, yeah. obviously, but they're still a good team. Obviously, they wouldn't be here if they weren't a good team. So you always can make the argument, did this team peak too early, and is that going to hurt them in the long run? Um, I don't know. I didn't really see a lot of the Saints games towards the end of the year because I knew that they were going to kind of just be coasting. They already locked everything up that they needed to. They rested Drew Brees uh, the last week of the season, but... I don't. I don't think that they actually peaked too early. I think that they kind of rode that high throughout the end of the year, and you saw them against the Eagles last week. They came out. They looked just absolutely terrible, and then they got that fake punt. They got the the touchdown after that, and it kind of just set everything in motion for the rest of that game. Right, I agree with that. I was just thinking the same thing. I would have been more worried that they peaked too early last week. I think it was the week to worry about that. I think if you're a Saints fan, last week was the perfect scenario. They come out, they get punched in the mouth pretty quickly, go down 14 nothing. I think they definitely needed that humbling after so much had been made about Sean Payton bringing out the Lombardi, <laughs> the yeah. piles of cash, the armed guards. I think this team needed to be humbled. I think they got that last week in the best possible way when they still have a chance to move forward this week. I- I'm going to say that even though, like, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, I'm going to say that I'm not someone that is going to say the Eagles are a good team. I bet on them all the way throughout the playoffs <laughs> last year. did not work in my favor. But when I saw that video that was, like, Sean Payton coming in with the Lombardi Trophy and Doug Peterson coming in with ice cream, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I love, um, I love that contrast there. <laughs> but last time they faced as well, Drew Brees with four touchdown passes. Michael Thomas went absolutely went off. 12 catches, 211 yards, with Marcus Peters matched up on him. Jack. 
do you see Peters on him again? Or now that Tlaib's healthy, do you see that they're just going to switch it up and keep Peters far away from Michael Thomas? Yeah, so Tlaib wasn't active for that last game, but I still think they stick it out with Peters. I mean, he's just been so hot over the past few weeks, and I just like him on that matchup. Matt? I don't I don't know. It's hard to look at the numbers and say, yeah, we're comfortable throwing him back out there and, <laughs> and letting him go for another 211. It's it is difficult. Peters is an All Pro cornerback. He's proven that, but Aqib Talib's a very very talented cornerback to- too, and I think that he might be the most talented cornerback on this roster. John, would you keep Peters away from Thomas because maybe Peters is psyching himself out? You know, he's thinking, "Oh God, I cannot let this guy go off again," and it's just going to get into him. I think we I think we're going to see a mix. I'd trust Wade Phillips to come out with a, a better game plan than they did in the previous matchup because like what like we talked about, like, Tlaib was out that game. So now that they have more options, and we've seen Peters, I think he was anointed a superstar very quickly into his career, and then since then, traded from Kansas City, he he's been streaky. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's really good, sometimes he's bad. He could be a lightning rod for that defense. I think if he makes a couple big plays early in the game. I think it'll depend what uh, the Rams decide to do with him mashing up Michael Thomas going forward. But that's the thing about the Saints offense. Really, only three guys touch the ball. You take away any three of those guys, including Michael Thomas, and that could give the Saints big problems. I'm just not sure that Peters is the guy to do that off the bat. Peters' fire works to his advantage at times and to his detriment at Absolutely. times. And when it worked to his detriment was when he talked to the media after that game against the Saints and we all know the clip, but we're going to play it anyway just because we love to hear it. Were you where Sean Payton said after that New Orleans game, he said in that last sequence, we wanted, they got the matchup they wanted mm-hmm. with you on him one Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? Fair enough. Yeah, because I like what he was saying on the sidelines too. So tell him keep talking that and I hope you see me soon. You feel me? And then we're going to have a good little, nice little bowl of gumbo together. You think they're going to have gumbo after this one? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Whatever happens is it's not going to be good for one of them because Peters could look like he's just he's going to eat his words and Peyton does it to him again, or he gets the better of him and we just move on. Before we shift to the Rams on the offensive side of the ball, I want to just make one more point about the Saints offense and how Kamara is such an elite pass catcher and how he's so dynamic. They're without Benjamin Watson, who had a big game against the Rams. And the Rams' biggest weakness on the defensive side is their linebacking core. John, how big of an impact do you see Kamara and Watson's replacement, Josh Hill, having this weekend? You know, we've seen Kamara torch teams before who have linebackers that aren't too rangy. And you know, the Rams' linebackers, I just don't think, have the speed to get Kamara on the edge. And the, the Saints get him out in space. They do a really good job of that. And it's one of those things you know Kamara's going to get the ball on the outside. You know what Ingram's role in that offense is, and you know what Michael Thompson's role is is in that offense. And even though Breeze tends to spread it around, it really runs through those three guys. I don't think the tight end will make a huge difference. Maybe we'll see that in the red zone and on third downs. That that could handicap the Saints a little bit. But overall, I still think the mashups are definitely in the Saints' favor. Yeah, I mean, that running back tandem has been lethal all year. And, uh, I mean, the Rams' defense, solid. Um, I, I see... I mean, losing Ben Watson is huge, but I still think they'll get the job done. I think the biggest problem for the Saints is, yeah, Ben Watson's a big loss for them, but not having Sheldon Rankins available for this game after suffering that terrible torn Achilles last week against the Eagles, it's going to be a bigger problem for them because we've seen how, especially last week against the Cowboys, the Rams running backs 
Todd Gurley, obviously elite. C.J. Anderson's looking really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like who expected? Yeah, who expected him to come out after being cut by the Panthers and the Raiders, who could have yeah. used anyone? Yeah, and not having that big body in the middle, that's just going to open the floodgates for that Los Angeles run game. So for the Rams, the biggest impact last week was that offensive line. To me, if this offensive line plays anything close to the way they played against Dallas last week, I don't see anyone stopping them. No, absolutely not, and. Last year, people were wondering why they brought in Andrew Whitworth, Mm -hmm. an an older guy, paying him a lot of money. But he transformed that offensive line. I mean, bringing that veteran presence to that line, kind of helping the young guys understand what they need to do. And it always helps having that all-pro level running back in Todd Gurley to kind of help the process along because you make any type of hole for him and he can hit it and just go. But this year especially, that line has been so good, and it's the reason that... Honestly, I think that might be the X factor in this game, is that Rams offensive line. Agreed. Agreed. And I, and I feel like if they can give Gurley the, and Anderson the ability to run right through the gut and give Jared Goff some time, I mean, Jared Goff hasn't been that solid recently, but if you give him time, he's a good enough quarterback to where he's going to make plays. Yeah, you look at the numbers since Cooper Cup went down. Obviously, Cooper yeah. Cup went towards ACL a week after um, this matchup earlier in the season. Goff quite, hasn't quite had the same production but still, that that you know you're, what you're going to get with that Rams offense, and like you guys mentioned, most recently it's with that running game. And you make a great point about Whitworth. He's I think it's rare you see an offensive lineman be the X factor, but the impact he's had on that line as a unit. I was watching him last week. Every time they punch it into the goal line after a touchdown, it seemed like he was the first guy <laughs> to celebrate. So he gets that unit going, playing their best football. You know they're going to be uh, out. And you mentioned uh, the absence of Rankins, and that could really be uh, if there's one matchup where. I think the the Rams really might have an advantage, despite how good the Saints' uh, run defense has been, and maybe uh, at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side. Jared Goff lately has struggled. Five of his last six games, he's thrown for zero or one touchdown pass. After we saw conversations of him being in the MVP mix, Jack, are, are you at all concerned about Goff's potential to not be able to keep up with the Saints as of the way, considering the way he's played lately? I'm confident Jared Goff this week. Uh, that Rams O-line looked so good last week, and that Saints secondary struggled a bit this year. Mm-hmm. So you give him that time, and I think he's going to make those passes. Uh, you look at that Saints secondary, as you mentioned. At times they struggled, but it almost sounds weird to say, and I hate myself for thinking it. Ever since they traded for Eli Apple, they kind of looked better. <laughs> he's been great Yeah, lately. he's been great for them. Yeah. I mean, go, all good for him. He was playing good for the Giants before they traded was, him. Yeah. And pairing him up with Marshawn Lattimore, who is on his way to becoming one of the best center backs in the league, if he's not already in that conversation. Um, you, you said it perfectly. Golf has struggled recently, and in this league, it's what have you done for me lately, not what have you done for me all year. And what he's done for us lately is not look like that MVP caliber quarterback that we had seen through the first, I don't know, up until that Chiefs game. And then after that, it's kind of been downhill since. Yeah, that's why I think this, usually you don't see teams with explosive offenses really try to milk the clock. And But that's something the Rams might have to do here, um, especially given the home field advantage that the Saints have. They get the ball early, and they're able to do what the Eagles did. That that The blueprint may be out that keep Drew Brees and that offense off the field. That's kind of tough for an explosive Rams offense to do, to have kind of dominate the time and possession. But the way they've been running the ball lately, they may be set up to do that. So that would help Goff tremendously not to have to make him make those big plays like they did the first time they played when they were down he had to make the throws to get them back in the game 
And he did, but it was too little too late. The mistakes had already been made, so he has to avoid those in this game. Weeks 1 through 11 for Jared Goff, 26 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Week 12 to last week's game against Dallas, 6 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. It's not it's, what you want. It's two it's completely different people. It is with Jared Goff. And the fact, like people, like you said, John, people don't realize it because his stat line overall is so good. And we kept hearing about how great this guy is. And you see him go head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes. And you say, hey... You know, everyone talks about Mahomes, but Goff is right there, and we're just not seeing it anymore. I think it can come back, but you can't gamble on it. I mean, you have to be running this offense through Todd Gurley. Honestly, I think I trust C.J. Anderson to be that X-Factor a little bit more than Jared Goff. But, guys, let's just go around, get our picks. Matt, let's start with you oh, on the God. NFC side. Um, with uh, No spread. No spread. No Saints sp- are three-and-a-half-point favorites. We'll go no spread. Oh, God. Uh, Saints. I I, th- I trust Drew Brees to get it done. I'm going with the Saints as well, really just because of the home field. It's so hard to go in there and win in the playoffs. I'm going with the Rams. I think Drew Brees looked like he was 40 years old last week. Yeah, I, I'm more on the Rams because of the offensive line. I was pretty convicted that Dallas was going to win the NFC. I'm going to be honest, and people looked at me like I had 10 heads. <laughs> but... I was convicted that Dallas was the team to beat there because of the defense. And then the Rams go in and they shut down that defense. They shoved down their throats, put up 30 against them, and really showed up. And I think they'll be able to bring that into the Superdome this weekend. And I'm going to go with the Rams. Close one, though. But I I think if you're betting the money line, it's a pretty good bet. And I'm going to be taking a good look at that one. So we'll shift over now to the AFC matchup. Chiefs-Patriots, 640 start. Chiefs are three-point favorites. It's the first time the Patriots haven't been favored in a game. Not just a playoff game, a game. Since Super Bowl Forty Nine <laughs> in the 2014-15 season. And now they're trying to do this whole bet against us narrative. Please. <laughs> Good try. Jack. You're wearing your Pat shirt with your... I like it. I mean, it's a throwback logo. It's the old... Uh, Pat Patriot. The, yeah, Pat the Patriot. <laughs> What do you think about this narrative? Because I want to hear about it from someone who's on the side of this. As a Patriots fan, I am ecstatic to see Julian Edelman and Tom Brady thinking that they are the underdogs. They've never game. been the underdog. I don't want <laughs> to hear that narrative. They don't think they're the underdog. Let's be real. <laughs> I, I don't like... I, personally, I don't like that narrative because of what I just said, how they're never underdogs. But... Like, do they know how to do this? Do they know how to be like, hey, like, we're not the top dog here? And we've seen that same mentality with the Alabama Crimson Tide, where Saban has these guys thinking internally that everybody's doubting them. Nobody expects them to make it the same way. You can kind of see Belichick maybe cultivating that same kind of thing uh, within that Patriots locker room. But Tom Brady's saying everyone thinks we suck after just dismantling the Chargers. I mean, I, I like Tom Brady. Don't like the Patriots. I had to roll my eyes after that <laughs> one. Nobody thinks they suck. Let's not confuse people rooting against the Patriots and maybe wishing into existence that they would lose with the people actually thinking they would lose. I still think the Chiefs have such a tall task to beat Bill Belichick and Brady in a playoff game, in an AFC title game, and no one understates that. Kelsey put it best. He says, I don't think they suck. No one on the Chiefs thinks they suck, and Andy Reid certainly doesn't either. That's a really, really good point, and I think the reason that I picked the Patriots to win last week was just for the simple fact of Philip Rivers and Anthony Lynn are not going into Foxborough and beating Brady and Belichick. It nope. was never going to happen, nope. and I can't believe people actually thought that was going to happen. Now, just shifting the narrative a little bit, it's Brady and Belichick going into Arrowhead 
against Mahomes and Andy Reid. Now, the Mahomes-Andy Reid thing, I mean, Mahomes is fantastic, but at the end of the day, he's still a rookie. These are bright lights. This is going to be a lot for him to handle. And Andy Reid has been there. He's done that. He's gone to a Super Bowl. He's had success. He's won a lot of games. A lot of times flopped in that big game. But, look, I mean, this the pressure's on here for the Patriots, and it's not just because they're not favored. It's because the Chiefs are a really, really, really good team. Yeah, and... You look at the Patriots as the number two seed. This is only the fourth time that they've been the two seed or lower not having that home field advantage in an AFC championship game since 2011. I mean, they've been in every AFC championship game since 2011, and they have been the road team, including this this coming week, four times. That's that's dominant, and that's why a lot of people are like, oh, we're, we're the underdog this week. No, you're not. You're still the Patriots. You're still the... The seven straight AFC Championship games, how many ever number of AFC East championships. And you're playing for your for the right to go to your third, fourth straight Super Bowl, whatever it is. It's it's insane. And you talk about Andy Reid, and I love him so much. I want him to get that Super Bowl ring that he so desperately deserves. But they the Chiefs have so many problems on defense and trying to plug those holes against Tom Brady, not the best solution. Yeah, I mean, the way we saw Brady just tear apart the Chargers' defense, and the Chargers had an impressive defense. I mean, their game plan really worked credit to Anthony Lynn for putting seven defensive backs out there against Baltimore 90% of the time. It was ballsy, and it paid off. But Bill Belichick is going to be the guy that's going to go expose those holes like you just said. Right, and I was kind of down on the Chargers going into the playoffs. They had a bit of a soft schedule, and like you said earlier, like let's not overthink it. It's Anthony Lynn and Phillip Rivers going into uh, – Foxborough to play Tom Brady and Bill Belichick like that's just two advantages that is just so hard to come overcome in the playoffs and you saw that Chargers game plan just get exposed so at least the Chiefs know not to do that <laughs> like let's not play a soft zone against Tom Brady for the entire game but like you mentioned how bad Kansas City's defense is and it's funny to me when people say the blueprint against the Patriots is to pressure Tom Brady it's like yeah that goes for any quarterback and the thing is that this Chiefs pass rush is probably like the best part of an otherwise really bad defense, but I just don't think they'll have the opportunity to even get after Brady, especially if James White is out there like he was against uh, L.A., just allowed to catch whatever he wants. Yeah, something that surprised me a little bit was that the Chiefs led the league in sacks. And I thought about it, I was like, this is not a good defense. How do they lead the league in sacks? And think about it, teams are always playing from behind against them in a shootout, and they're constantly throwing the ball. They probably lead the league in opposing pass attempts. I don't know if... That's something I'm sure it's it kept is. track they're, of. They're the 32nd ranked team in past attempts. There you go. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that surprised me a little bit. But the that matchup doesn't really work. That doesn't work against the Patriots because that's not the way the Patriots play. They're going to dump it off quick. So, Jack, I ask you, who's a guy that isn't named Tom Brady that you look to and say, this guy's going to have a huge game? Sony Michelle. He died it last time. Well, in the last matchup, he had 106 yards, and you talk about how the Chiefs led the league in sacks, but 72 of his 106 were before contact. He's going to split those tackles, and you see him. He went out last week, had a couple of touchdowns. I think he's going to go out and do the same exact thing. Yeah, this is a bad defense. I said 32nd in pass attempts. They were the second-worst team in passing yards allowed. The They were 27th in rushing yards against. So setting Sony Michelle up for a big game like that, I could see it. And not only Sony Michelle, James White, you might see Rex Burkhead get thrown out there. You never know right. how Bill Belichick wants to throw out his running backs. Right. So 
the Patriots have all the tools in the world to dominate this game, and I think we're all expecting it to be a shootout, but someone that the Patriots are really going to need to rely on is Rob Gronkowski. Agreed. He has had the worst season of his career by far, not counting his injury short seasons or anything like that, but they need him to step up in this game because it's tailor-made for him. They don't have linebackers that can cover him. You're not going to put a cornerback on him. Just let him go out there and be the Rob Gronkowski everyone knows that he can be. And when they put up 43 against Kansas City, they had Josh Gordon, so they had the ability to rely on that big, athletic, you know, number one type of receiver. And they don't have that now. So I think that's another point as to why Gronk really has to step up this week against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Shifting to the Chiefs on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you can sing their praises all you want, but what do you see Mahomes doing in this one? Because people were kind of saying, oh, we don't know what we're going to get out of this guy in a, in a playoff game, but the lights have proved not to be too bright for this guy. Yeah, I mean, throughout the whole season, right? They played the Patriots early in the year, what, week six? Yeah. And we saw Mahomes, if you had to pick games where maybe he struggled in this year, that Patriots game was maybe one of them where I was looking back at the highlights of that earlier, and he definitely missed some open throws, threw some really bad interceptions. But then you have to consider he's really grown since then as a player. And even then, his personality didn't show that he would be a guy to be overwhelmed by these kind of big moments. So I don't think we'll see that from him, especially maybe that would have came last week against a, a worse Colts team, but still his first playoff start and a lot of pressure to win a playoff game for those Kansas City fans that <laughs> haven't seen that in such a long time. I just don't see that getting to him. He's played the same way all year. Teams don't have an answer for that arm talent of his. So I think he just trusts himself. He trusts his arm. And he knows he's at his best when he's just able to sling it with confidence. And I think he's going to do that. Yeah, I, I'm i not concerned about Patrick Mahomes. I think he understands the gravity of this situation. It's your chance as your first full year as a starter to go into Foxborough, go head-to-head against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and he's going to be doing everything possible to make a name for himself as if he hasn't already, and to go to his first-year role and his first-year starting. Um, he's going to need a lot of help. Uh, Spencer Ware, Damian Williams, they're going to need to be on top of their games. Travis Kelsey needs to kind of fix those drop issues that he kind of has sometimes in big games like this, and he's going to really need to be there. And then Tyreek Hill. You need to get very creative with him in this game. you got to try to get him in motion a lot, maybe run some jet sweeps, let him just go and let Mahomes throw, because who's going to be on him? Logan Ryan, one of the McCordys. He can outrun those guys. Patrick Chung's still back yeah, there exactly. somehow. <laughs> yeah, right. so Tyreek Hill also needs to have a big game to have a chance in this one. Now that game in Week 6 back in October, Kareem Hunt touched the ball 15 times, 185 yards. Impressive. There's no Kareem Hunt to rely on anymore. Jack, do you see anyone on the Chiefs that can take that role and expose the Patriots' defense in that way? I mean, you look at what Damian Williams did last week, what, 129 rushing yards? He's not Kareem Hunt, but he had a heck of a game. And Spencer Ware is coming back as well. I mean, that's definitely uh, another big name coming back for them. Uh, I It's not Kareem Hunt for sure, but it's a big help. Yeah, and then with running backs, like, Look, I mean, I think of having a good running back in place makes a huge difference. When you have an Ezekiel Elliott, when you have a Saquon Barkley, a Kareem Hunt, I mean, for all intents and purposes, James White, it's a big difference maker when you have a talent back there like that. But it's not the end of the world if you don't have that. So I'm not looking too much into no Kareem Hunt for the Chiefs, but 
look, I mean, you can't deny the fact that he had a big game, and I think that's even more incentive to, Matt, to your point, get creative with Kareem Hunt, run those jet sweeps, you know, pitch the ball out to him, give him some screens, let him do a lot of those little things where Kareem Hunt was exposing defenses. Yeah, absolutely, and Tyreek Hill is possibly the most electric player in, in the NFL right now. It, Put him on kickoffs. Put him on punt returns. That's if they don't already do that already. Make sure Tyreek Hill touches the ball as many times as possible in this game, and you have a chance. And we've heard so much about over the years how Bill Belichick's going to try to take away your best weapon on offense and take away that X factor. So you look at this Chiefs offense, they have so many guys that could kind of fit that bill of guys Belichick would really want to focus the game plan on to take away. I think that guy has to be Tyreek Hill, but so much easier said than done because I don't think that Patriots defense has anyone that could really match him for speed. The, the McCordys are fast, but you can't put those guys on him, either of them one-on-one, especially uh, the, the, whatever McCordy is the one <laughs> playing safety. So uh, that's just such a tough matchup for any team. I think especially for a Patriots defense that doesn't really have that a, a speedy corner that could really shadow Tyreek Hill the whole game. All right, the Chiefs are three-point favorites. Like I said, first time the Pats haven't been favored in a game since Super Bowl forty-nine. Let's get our picks in, Jack. Patriots. Patriots haven't won a road playoff game since two thousand seven. That changes this year. I take the Patriots. I originally like my Super Bowl pick going into the playoffs was Cowboys Pats. I saw what the Chiefs were able to do against Indy, and I was like, they're not beating this team. I'm gonna go Kansas City. Go a Kansas City Rams Super Bowl rematch, and I cannot wait. I didn't. I forgot about that. They haven't won a road game in that long. I think that's that might be in Brady's head. So I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. So Chiefs Saints. Yeah, I think it's this is like the first game we saw. I think this is gonna be the last team that has the ball is gonna win the game. So I feel like really I'm picking the team that's gonna have the ball last. Do I trust Andy Reid at the end of the game like that, managing that? I I don't think so, but I think the the Chiefs team has a talent to prevail and and finally be the AFC team that slays the Patriots dragon. Before we wrap up, would you rather, question for all you guys, would you rather be down three with the ball last or up three on defense with like a minute 30 and a timeout and change? Depends. Who are you? Are you you Tom Brady with the ball down three or are you Andy Reid down three? Up to you. Both. Both. Uh, if it's Andy Reid, I would rather be up, but if it's Tom Brady, I'd rather be down. I've looked into this once because I feel like the team, whenever you need a field goal at the end of the half or at the end of the game when you're on offense, I feel like teams get it like 80% of the time. Yeah. It actually is like close to the number. They get it like over 50% of the time. So I definitely want to be on offense. Like the way the teams play defense, like that prevent lane games. Like we saw it with Chicago. Yeah. 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 Every time. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I mean, growing up a Pats fan, anytime Tom Brady has the ball at the end of the game, I I know he's going to get it. So yeah. yeah, with with these two quarterbacks, I have to think I'd rather be the team that's down. But we'll see. Uh, I think they're going to be two outstanding games. I can't wait for this week. And we're wrapping up the season on NFL Friday. So thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week and every week for NFL Friday all the way through the Super Bowl.